0: Duke fans, welcome to episode 453, 453 of the DBR podcast. I'm Jason Evans here for your listening enjoyment. I am joined by Donald Wine. Sam Klein could not make it today. It's a busy day for Sam at work. But Donald, we had to get on. We have to talk. Duke played an actual game. Not I mean, an exhibition. An actual.
1: Yeah, an actual. They they the ball they played another team. Yes. Really. And we got to, to see it. watch.
0: We we got to watch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) By the way, just so folks, um, before we get to talking about Duke's game against Fayetteville State, that the Blue Devils won going away, and there's a lot to take away. There's a lot to take away from this. I just want folks to kind of be prepared for what's coming in the next few days. We we have a very busy few days coming up for people. So just a short time ago, we conducted an interview with Kara Lawson, the head coach of the Duke women's basketball team. It was a fabulous interview. had a great time. I sat down with her for a half hour. We're not going to put that out quite yet. We got so much other stuff going on with the season starting. We're going to find room in the next four or five days or so to get it out. But that is coming. The other thing that's coming this weekend, we will be recording the stats game, which is our season preview. And we will have all kinds of predictions about what Duke is going to do this year. And it's our way of setting up the season. And then, of course, on Monday, the Blue Devils are in action in a game that actually canceled the standings. So. We just got and then we got another game like on Thursday or Friday. It's like crazy. We got a lot of stuff happening here. I know we haven't been doing a ton of podcasts lately. It's about to go through the roof on the podcast. The roof is the ceiling, as Michael Jordan would say, or whatever, right?
1: Donald? We we don't we don't do we don't do Michael Jordan quotes here on the okay. DBR
0: podcast. <laughs> Good call. You're right. Good call. All right. So let's get to the game last night. Blue Devils win 82 to 45 over Fayetteville State, the champions of the CIAA. They are a Division II team. Um, so, you know, as as we mentioned when we were sort of, you know, doing a little bit of preview of this as we were talking about this contest, you know, it's not so much about them as it is about us. Right, Donald? I mean, they're, they're going to be smaller. They're not going to be quite as athletic. They're just not going to be quite as good as just about any team in Division I. Um, But it's, it's good to get to see what the Blue Devils are rolling out there with. And, Donald, I want to start with this. So the starters, Mark Mitchell, Ryan Young, Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Kyle Filipowski. Uh, those are the same starters that we had for the scrimmage against Houston earlier this week. Were you all surprised at that? I'm a little, I'm, uh, Jacob. is Jacob Grannis going to ever start a game for Duke?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily surprised by it. Um the reason why is that, as we've mentioned, there's really, you know, two names out there uh, of guys that we know are going to most likely start. So all the like speculation about these starting lineups don't really, you know, weigh in with me. And and of course, those two people we're talking about are uh, Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead. Derek Whitehead apparently is going to be back in a couple of weeks. Um, Derek Lively will be playing on Monday. So, hey, hey we'll get to see how that lineup shapes when he enters the fray. And, and, Cause I'm assuming at this point that he will start that game on Monday. If he I, you is, you know, I don't know I, to be ready I, to go.
0: I, I, I'm unsure because he has missed some time here and they may try and ease him in a little bit That's sure, but, but, but you, you're, you're right. Given what, once he's had a few days of practice, my bet is Derek Lively will be, will be the starter again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, first of all, when it comes to these exhibition games, the one thing that I'm looking for is a victory because, you know, we've seen some teams that look really shaky. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to shout some teams out, but some teams have not looked good in the exhibition season so far. Uh, But you want to, first of all, start off with a win, get that, you know, W even if it doesn't count under your belt to get that confidence boost. Uh, And also for guys to step up and play well, you'd mentioned Jacob Grandison. Uh, He led the team in scoring off the bench and, Great. That's awesome. Because if he's going to come off the bench, like I mentioned on the last show, you want a guy who's going to be able to come off the bench and have a lot of production. And if Jacob Granson can set up to be that guy, whether he's starting or on the bench, can come in and make a valuable you know, production every single time, then we're going to be a really good basketball team. We need guys that are going to be able to, whatever role they have, embrace that role and produce from that role.
0: Yeah. And, and I think to me, the standouts in this game, unquestionably, were Jacob Grandison and Mark Mitchell. And I don't say that just because they were the two guys who led the team in scoring. Grandison had 17 points. Mitchell had 15 points. That that wasn't the thing that I saw from the two of them that I was like, oh, they're scoring a lot, so they're the stars of the game. To me, it was more about the fact that both of them just seemed to bring some pretty advanced stuff to the floor and stuff that isn't easy to replicate. In the case of Mark Mitchell, God, what an elite athlete his ability to grab a rebound or get a steal and then get out in transition with those long strides. Donald, you may remember, we were talking about Mark Mitchell when we, we when we got the, you know, our, our own practice secret scrimmage tape a few weeks ago, I, I talked about, it. I was like, God, Mark Mitchell, just with those long limbs, it looks like he gets down the floor fast. We saw that again and again in this contest. And then the other thing, you know, the other thing about Mitchell is he's a lefty and Lefties are just weird. Like even though in you got to get head, used to them.
1: Like even yeah. like, like when you're watching as a fan, you got to get yeah. used to, oh, he's shooting. What is he doing? Oh right, he's a lefty. Like you're going to you're going to feel that for the first couple weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, but uh, and I think it makes them a lot harder to defend. Um you know, the opposition even though they know in their head that he's a lefty and that, you know, that means he's going to put the ball up sort of in a different way than a right-handed player would, it's it's just hard to defend it. And, and the last thing with him is his motor. Uh, they talked about it a little bit on on the broadcast, but uh, Mark Mitchell's ability to, to be constantly moving, uh, moving his feet, moving his hands, uh, you know, uh, moving fast, being active, he he feels like a guy who's just going to be a pest to the opposition at all times. And then I want to move to Jacob Grandison for a second. Everything just looked effortless. And so smart. And like, so Jacob Grandison ends up in this game. He, he hit all his two-point shots. He was three for three from the field on two-pointers, three of six on three-pointers. Very, very efficient game. But, but to me, it was almost the two-pointers that were, that were a bigger deal than the three-pointers because every one of those baskets were like layups that he got because things were moving around him or he was moving and the geometry of the court changed and he recognized that because it had changed, there was an opportunity for him to take advantage of that. It was just the epitome of a savvy basketball player. He, he's, I think he's in his fifth year, sixth year. I don't even know. He's been around college basketball a long time. And you just saw that in, in the way he performed in this game. I, you know, I, like I said, I don't know that Jacob Grandison's ever going to even start a game, Donald, but he is someone who's going to have an impact throughout the season.
1: Jason, you described the perfect Duke player, smart we like smart people at Duke university. We like small, smart basketball players at Duke university. The fact that we can describe his game as smart amongst other things is a great, great asset. Uh, I really you know, appreciated his effort. And like you said, there was definitely times where you, you knew that he was in a spot that you knew, like he knew where he needed to be on the floor at all times. He knew how to keep everything balanced. He knew if he needed to take a three pointer or drive the lane or pass the ball or trip dribb- or, or back out for a dribble to kind of reset the offense. He knew all of those things, uh, and because of that, yes, Jason, effortless. The other description uh, that you love to see from Duke players, yes, his performance was effortless because of that.
0: So uh, there are a few other guys, obviously, that we want to talk about, um, but just in terms of, like, larger concepts than individuals, I wanted to to hit on a couple things that that occurred to me that I thought were, were really impressive for Duke. Uh, the first one was the sharing of the basketball. Um, I saw everybody on this team attacking the basket and looking to pass, not looking to shoot. I thought the team had a a really nice number of assists in the contest last night. They had 21 assists on 30 made baskets. That's That's good. That's a really good ratio that, you know, that ratio works. Uh, You know, and you think about the fact that some of the, they had some offensive rebound baskets as well. And the such, I mean, the ratio of, of made baskets, you know, in a half court set off of an assist, was super high. And I want to shout out Jeremy Roach. Look, I'm the guy who's been saying for a while, is Jeremy Roach going to be a player who facilitates for himself or facilitates for other people? And I, I didn't want to judge which one of those I thought would be better, but I think you could probably tell from my tone, I would rather he facilitate for other people. I, I love when Jeremy Roach is scoring, and he has shown that he can be a guy who can put up 20 on any opponent in the country. But I I think Duke is better. I think Duke is a more effective team when Jeremy Roach is facilitating for his teammates. He finishes this game with eight assists and only one turnover, an eight to one assist to turnover ratio. I, I will take that for my point guard any day of the week.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fun too. I, I like the assists. I mean, think about it, Jason when we talked about uh, how poorly they shot during this. You know, the the you know unnamed scrimmage down in right Houston. the Houston scrimmage. Yeah, the Houston scrimmage. Like. I, the fact that they shot so poorly there and were able to turn it around against Fayetteville State. And and, and by the way, uh, hopefully it's not the last time that we we, Jason, can look at a box score and see that Duke beat FSU. Uh, I am down here in Miami. As I saw that. I love that. To hopefully beat <laughs> FSU uh, this weekend. But I digress. Um, I, I do think when it comes to the shot selection and shot making like it's clear that this offense is made to make it where guys are moving around and getting the positions where they can take open jumpers, but the assist is going to come when the guy makes the basket. We were making baskets last night. 30, I mean, we 30, 30 made baskets, eight of them, three pointers. That means guys were getting into positions where they can make open jumpers and they were able to do that. So because of that, the assist, Rich, the, the assist uh, number is up as well. We're moving the ball around. We're making baskets. It makes for some great basketball to watch
0: yeah and and by the way in terms of scoring in terms of offense all seven of sort of the, the 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 seven regulars the guys who's played at least 20 minutes in this contest all seven of them who played at least 20 minutes had at least seven points in this game um you know so it was a fairly balanced scoring output and, and I feel like this team, obviously we haven't seen lively or whitehead and and they're projected to be two of the best players in this team. Maybe, maybe the two best players on this team and whitehead is projected to probably be the best offensive player in this team. So what I'm saying next, maybe I'm going to be a little bit wrong about, but I think I'm right about it. I don't think that Duke necessarily has the top end offensive talent that we've had in some of our recent years. There's no Paulo Bancaro on this team. We've mentioned this in the podcast in recent weeks. But what I saw was a degree of depth that we haven't seen in a while at Duke uh, on the offensive end of the floor. There were just a lot of guys where it felt like they were confident with the ball in their hands. They could get where they wanted. They could get the shot they wanted. And the team was sharing the ball in a way that allowed them to be really successful on offense. Anything else on offense, Donald? or, Or I want to talk about the D as well.
1: Let's go to the D because, uh, I, you know, Jason, me and my best friend were talking about this last night. He had watched it. I had not. But when I talked about, about it with him this morning, the defense was something that was of high discussion because I thought it was really good.
0: Yeah. So um, in the first half, Fayetteville State scored 22 points. In the second half, they were way better than that. They scored 23 points. Uh, I, You know, I, I know they're a Division two opponent, but they were utterly flummoxed by Duke throughout this entire game, Uh, almost all their shots, it felt like were coming really late in the shot clock. Uh, There were a number of times where the Duke players, especially our perimeter defensive guys were so up in their shorts, making it so difficult for Fayetteville state that, you know, they were trying to start their offense, not just outside the three point line, but like at the timeline, you know, like close to mid court and they just couldn't get anything going. And one of the things about these smaller schools, these D2 schools, they usually have pretty good guards. They may not have size, but they usually have guys who, you know, are decent guards. Duke confounded them at every step of the way. And I think there are just some really, there's some amazing compelling options that John Shire has in terms of what he's going to do on defense. And we've heard Shire in the preseason talk about the fact he wants Duke to be an elite defensive team. Uh, we, We got some hints of that, but I mean, if you think about it, like Kyle Filipowski, who isn't even supposed to be the big shot blocker, is blocking shots, just smacking the heck out of shots all day in that game. Um, and we you know, didn't even have Derek Lively. And if you don't want to go big, there are some really compelling options for this team. I saw Mark Mitchell is going to be a pest on defense all the time. I, I love that, his
1: defensive game. That like yeah. We'll talk about it, but yes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought Grandison, he comes in a reputation as a good defender, I thought he looked great. Jalen Blakes looked fabulous on defense. There was a there's a hysterical tweet. Um, brotherhood CBB uh, someone who uh, someone whose Twitter nickname is literally the Brotherhood um, for Duke said that if we put Blake's Derek Whitehead, who has a great defensive reputation, Jacob Grandison, Mark Mitchell and Derek Lively out there, he said we could pull off the first shutout in college basketball history it is fun to think about some of the defensive combinations that this Duke team could have. And we saw a lot of it on display last night.
1: Hey, Jason, as we, as we sit here and talk about basketball and last night in game four of the world series, there was a combined no hitter um, pitching shutouts is something that we've seen in the last 24 hours from, from different teams. So why not Duke? Right. But um, I think when it comes to Duke, right, the, The main thing is that they're so versatile on defense. As you mentioned, we can put like three or four seven footers out there and just make it just a a forest where people have can't do anything except try to shoot over it. If we want to go athletic, we have Mark Mitchell, we have, you know, Derek whitehead. When he comes back, we're going to have guys that are super athletic and are going to be able to hound you and be on the ball. If we want to do a zone, we got guys who are lengthy, who can also be quick laterally, who will be involved in a zone. And if we just want to just press from, you know, from the time they entered the ball and uh, it, it, 90 feet away, we can do that too. So I'm really excited about the number of possibilities that we have on defense. We saw some of it last night, the versatility. And again, that also deals with, you know, John Shire and the coaching staff and how they want to work in some of these rotations. But the idea is that we give every opponent a look that they've never seen before, and we can switch it up at any time just to confuse them even further. I just, I love that excitement. I love that possibility that we can see that throughout the season.
0: And the fact that we're doing this again without lively and whitehead who are supposed to be the two best defenders on the team is it's just really exciting. Absolutely. So so Donald, we're going to take a quick, we're going to take a quick break. We come back from the break. There's some guys who maybe weren't expected to play big roles on this Duke team who really showed out in that scrimmage. And it looks like they're going to play a bigger role than we expected. Their story, when we come back. All right, we're back from the break. And like we teased a moment ago, we want to talk about some of the guys a little bit further down in the rotation, but who are really staking an interesting claim to being in the rotation. And Donald, the, the one I got to start with, I want to begin with Jalen Blakes. So first of all, he plays the most minutes of anybody on the team last night. Now, part of that was that he was in there with um, some of the deep, real, really deep, you know, the walk-ons and the the guys who maybe are ready the end of the game. yeah, Yeah. So he got some extra minutes there, but regardless of that, Jalen Blakes goes for 12 points. He had four rebounds. He had three assists. He had two steals. We talked already about his defense, which was absolutely incredible. Really impressive. And the thing to me about Jalen Blakes, a year ago, I, you know, he was a guy who only got into games when it was a blowout, when it was non-competitive. I think there's little question from what we've seen from him that Jalen Blakes is going to be a part of the rotation. I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play 10 minutes per game. You know, maybe a little less than that when Duke is fully healthy. But he's going to be in the rotation. He is going to be on the floor in competitive games when it is a close game and his ability to elevate from what we saw a year ago, this is a guy who couldn't shoot a year ago. And I'm not just talking about three pointers, like even, even getting the ball, like, and right in close to the basket, you just didn't feel like Jalen Blake's was comfortable on offense. Completely different story this year, isn't it? Completely different. Yeah.
1: I mean, there is, the fact that you've seen the market improvement from last year. And of course that's, you know, what we expect, right? He's been at Duke for a year and then he's grown, he's gotten stronger, he's gotten bigger, he's gotten faster. He's, you know, he's retooled his shot and it shows, but also what has improved is his confidence and being in the, being on the court for 27 minutes only helps that confidence. And, And being a guy that you can rely on either early in the game, in the middle of the game or late in the game is Perfect for a guy who's obviously, you know, on this upward trajectory. So for Jalen Blakes, we're gonna he he could be an X factor this year. He may not be the most important player on the team, but he can prove to be one of the most valuable on the team in the sense that when he's in the game, there's no drop off from the starters right if he's if he's replacing Tyrese Proctor or he's replacing Jeremy Roach the other team can look and go okay there's the hole there's the guy we got to go after because he is proven at least so far in this preseason that he's capable of handling a team and and running with the offense and being the leader on the floor when the leader is needed to be him so uh, that is really fun to see and again all this goes back to the excitement I have about, you know, what more, you know, like what more can we see from him and and, and all these possibilities as we go forward. He could be a guy that, you know, has 10 assists in one game. He has he's, he could be a guy that can, as we saw in the scrimmage against Houston, he could lead the team in rebounds in one game. Like if if he's gonna be the guy that's just gonna do whatever is necessary for the team to win, we need a lot of those guys on this team. And Jalen Blakes is one of those guys.
0: The word that you use to describe him that I think is so important is trajectory because players who improve are are so valuable uh, and, and his improvement. I mean, look, they always, they always say, best thing about freshmen is that they become sophomores at Duke. We don't get that that much, <laughs> but here we have Jalen Blake's really showing us the value in guys getting a year older. I, I do think one of the things that has come out of both the, both the scrimmage against Houston and this exhibition against Fayetteville state is that Jalen Blake's is ahead of Jaden shoot in the rotation Jaden Shoot, I think, struggled uh, again in this contest, and I hope that you know Jaden Shoot can sort of look at what Jalen Blake's was a year ago and say, okay, you know, it's possible to get better because I, I I'm I'm struggling to see what kind of a role Jaden Shoot is. A, a few weeks ago, I was I, I would have convinced that a guy who can shoot that well was going to be a a part of Duke's plan for the season. I'm not entirely convinced of that anymore.
1: I think when it comes to shoot again. You live by the three, you die by the three. And when he came in, a lot of us were, he came in with that expectation of, Hey, this guy's going to come in and light it up from wherever on the floor. Right. Like kind of a JJ Redick style of player where once you get off the bus, then yo JJ, Jaden shoot. I I was going to say JJ shoot, but yes, Jaden shoot uh, is, is in range and can, and can hit it from anywhere and be electric in keeping a game out of reach for some team. If he comes in off the bench. And right now we're seeing some of those struggles and just the ability to work into the flow of the offense. And also the fact that everyone on this level is not in high school, right? Like everyone in this level knows that Jaden shoot is a shooter and that you need to key in on him whenever he checks into the game. So that's going to be part of his learning process in, in the early part of the season is how to still get open. Just like Steph Curry, whenever Steph Curry steps on the court, everyone knows he's going to be shooting 15 threes and making nine to 10 of them. So how do you stop him? is his judge, Steph Steph Curry is still a way, a guy who can still get around and get buckets and still get open to make shots and figure out a way. This is something where Jaden Shoot is going to have to learn how to be that style of player where, hey, I I know you guys know I'm going to shoot threes, but I'm still going to get my shots off anyway. We'll we'll see how that progresses in the first couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, so a couple of the folks, we haven't really talked about them yet. And, and, you know, I sort of said that we were dealing with guys who are a little bit deeper down in the rotation, but some of these guys are further up in the rotation. Uh, we still need to talk about Ryan Young. We still need to talk about Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski. Um, I, I want to start with Ryan Young, who just continues to be that guy who's just, you know, really good at making moves under the basket. He had a couple finishes that were not at all easy shots, but he he made them look really simple. Ryan Young finishes with twelve points, team leading six rebounds. He, he and Mark Mitchell tied for the team lead each with six rebounds. Um, I I I, I I love what we're getting from Ryan Young. You know again, i'm not I'm not sure how much he's going to play during the regular season. I, I I sort of doubt that it's gonna be more than twelve to fifteen minutes. But when he's in there, he is a threat in the post, isn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. And the dad moves were ever present last night. And I, for one, love them. um because again, like you said, there's times where he gets the ball and you're thinking, okay, give it up, big man. like there's there's no there's no angle, and he somehow finds one. Uh, To make a shot, or at least take the shot. So uh, that's the, I mean, the real answer there is, you know, Ryan Young is going to be a guy that we're going to be depending on this year in more ways than one. It may not necessarily be on just one end of the floor, but just his ever presence on the court. Again, no drop off from him to Derek Lively or vice versa. Whenever one guy's on the court, the other opponent is going to have to figure out how to stop him, and it's going to be great to have you know, a balanced type of scoring with guys in the post, guys outside the post. Ryan Young is a great passer. So uh, I, I think this is something where Ryan Young being this level-headed, you know, veteran for this team and getting the points the way he knows how to get points the college, you know, old college basketball way is going to be an asset to this team.
0: Yeah, so and then the other guys, like I said, Philipowski and Tyrese Proctor. Um I thought that Flip looked pretty good out there at times he's still someone who I feel like his skills and his size, by the way, dude is big. Dude is really big. I feel like Filipowski maybe should, you know, dominate or control things a little more than he does. I don't know if he's still being a little too deferential. Um, We saw him take a, a three, take and make a three pointer at the very, very start of the game that, you know, it was just so effortless came out of his hands really quickly. He's got really good form on that. He's so big that it's very difficult to defend I think that's going to be a weapon for him. Hit a couple decent moves, decent baskets, you know, in the post as well. We mentioned the four block shots. I, I I like what he's bringing to the table. I just I think I see need to see a little more consistency from him, and it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see when Lively comes back where those minutes that Lively is going to play are going to come from. I think a, a good bit of it's going to come from from Kyle Filipowski.
1: Yeah, and Kyle is going to be you know. Twenty minutes, which I kind of think is a little less than what we would maybe expect him to play. But also, it, I'm not surprised that he only played twenty minutes in this ball game because I think we're still feeling out rotations. And I, you know, honestly, for me, the only—I don't even want to call a drawback—the only thing that I saw about Kyle Filipowski is I'm not quite yet sure where his most strongest part of his game is yet, and it, it may be something that's to be determined. But on the floor, it feels like, hey, he can, you know stretch stretch a team out and maybe hit an outside jumper oh hey he can also go to the hole and take it hard oh oh yes he can block a couple shots and get a couple rebounds but I'm not quite sure like where to put him in the best position for success yet and I think uh, as a fan I want to see that over the next couple of weeks maybe figure out what that is uh, and maybe the team has as well so um yeah I I think when it comes to Kyle Filipowski I don't think we've seen the best part of his game yet and I think that's just going to be again ever evolving as the season goes along
0: yeah, you know the other thing about him is he he is a nice passer. There was a sequence last night, uh, late. It was a mid, maybe mid second half. Tyrese Proctor has the ball. He gives it up to Filipowski. Proctor then cuts the bucket, and Filipowski immediately fed Proctor the ball back. It was a it was a classic give and go, and it made my eyeballs pop out of my head. I was I was surprised that those guys had that in their arsenal this early on in their careers with each other. It was the kind of play where I was like. Oh dudes who've been playing together for three years know where they're going to be and are able to do that. I was surprised that Filipowski and Proctor were able to do that together. and speaking of Tyrese Proctor, I, I, I love love what he's bringing to the table. I think he's an he's an outstanding penetrator. He's a good shooter. He just seems smart. We saw him playing really good defense at various points in this game. Uh, you know there's been talk now that Tyrese Proctor's you know going to be a lottery pick. You can see why you can really see why.
1: Uh, You know what, Jason, you said the word again, smart. But I mean, what else yeah. is there to say like smart? I mean, the guy plays so, uh, you know, just fluid and you can tell that he's not scared either. Right. Like he, as we mentioned over the summer, quite a bit, he was playing against adults uh the entire summer for the team of Australia. So, you know, when he comes here, he's probably thinking this is child's play and ready, you know, you know, just ready to take on the world. And because of that, he is just, I feel like he's going to be our, our eventually going to be our main ball handler because he's just that confident with the basketball. And as a, as a, you know, as a player on the court, you're probably thinking with Proctor, you know, exactly where he need to be, you know, exactly where he needs to, you know, just be in, in the essence of, what he's going to do, take a shot, go to the rim, pass it to somebody. You always have to be ready with Tommy's Proctor because he can do it all.
0: All right. With that, we're going to wrap it up. We didn't have Sam, so we didn't go as long. And it was just an exhibition, you know? Hey. But we're going to be back very, very soon. As like I said, the stats game is coming. We're going to be telling you all the things you need to know about this coming season um, for the Blue Devils. And the first game is just days away as the Blue Devils be playing Jacksonville on Monday. For Donald, I am Jason. For Sam, who is not here, but will be with us very, very soon. That's it for this episode of the DBR podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's the Duke band. Play us out. Take us home. I guess I'll play the role of hosts. Okay. I'm guessing unless you want to.
1: No, 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 you go ahead. I'm
0: not sure who has more to say, you or me.
1: <laughs> I watched it this morning. I didn't watch it live.
0: I watched it live. I watched that shit live last night on my 75-incher. <laughs> With noise? It was noise? I
1: okay. do like that those games are not on, like, the Blue Devil Plus Network thing that you have to pay, like, $10 just to watch one game.
0: Oh, and Jesus. And that they just God. threw
1: it on yeah. ESPN Plus for everybody.
0: Right.